That was Alex Delora from 2021, a drum solo entitled The Flame of Jordan. While Jordan sits in the midst of a group of nations who do not all get along, it has remained a relatively stable country with a constitutional monarchy and is one of the safest places to visit. It is popular for ecotourism and world heritage sites such as Petra. Reporter Belinda Jackson, who has lived and worked in the Middle East, tells Graham Kemlo why you should consider a visit to Jordan. I have Belinda Jackson on the line, and Belinda, are you there? I'm here, Graham. Thanks for having me back. Well, that's all right. We'll have you any time. Now, you've been over to to Jordan. Let's talk about you talked about Egypt the other week. Let's talk about Jordan because it's located interestingly, isn't it? I guess it's all history that's involved in this, but it's got it's got some interesting countries around it. Can you just sort of rattle off quickly the the borders it shares? Yeah, absolutely. Jordan's a fascinating country. And as you say, it's it's right in the thick of it because, you know, it's it's uh, just across the Dead Sea from Israel and uh, Palestine. And then it's also got uh, Lebanon around the corner. It's got Syria on one side. It's, you know, it has Saudi Arabia. It shares a vast border with Saudi Arabia and a smaller one with Iraq as well. So at, at Aqaba, which is its seaport, that connects up very closely with Egypt. So, it's, so that's it's the Red Sea we're talking there, isn't it? That's right, yes. Yeah. So it's right in the thick of it um, Absolutely. In, in the Middle East. So is it influenced by the other countries around it or does it do its own thing? Or does it influence the countries around it? Well, um, yeah. It's often, it's often called um, an oasis of stability in, in this region. Um, as, you, as you know, Jordan has a king. Uh, it has a constitutional monarchy. So it's also got two houses of parliament as well. It's one of the, it's one of the countries that's most heavily invested in resolving the Israel-Palestinian territories conundrum mm. there because it does share uh, such a significant border. And Jordan has been one of the largest intakes of uh, Palestinian refugees as well. So it's got a vested interest, you know, not right. only for having stability in the region, but also such, you know, such an enormous percentage of its population um, comprises people from from those other countries around it. Yeah, as you'll find with a country that's stable in the Middle East, you know, it, it, it's also been influenced by, you know, wars on the other side in Syria, in Iraq, you know, it's, it's, um, it's really been a, a bastion, I think, for the region. It's so close that one imagines the odd rocket might have whipped over the border and hit an outpost somewhere. Well, I did check Smart Traveller because I had a feeling you might ask me that question. Smart Traveller does tell you to stay away from uh, certain borders. I mean, if you're going to be on the Jordanian-Iraqi border, then I, I would expect that uh, you'd probably be shuffled on fairly quickly. And there's still fighting going on in Syria. Uh, that's right, yes. So, um, yeah, so it, it, as I said, you know, it really is an oasis. So that the northern and, and northeastern borders I would probably stick away from. But, right. you know, it, it has the... Um, it has that shares that border with Israel as well, so you can actually stand on one side of the river and look across, or one side of the Dead Sea, and look across to the um, to the coastline into Israel. Which you is, can swim I, to Israel, or is it a bit big for that? Well, if you want to swim across the Dead Sea, goodness me, you'd, I couldn't you'd think float of anything beautifully, worse. wouldn't you? Wouldn't you just oh, be up high and loving I it? Know. Well, the thing about the Dead Sea is, you know, when you get in there, if you've got one tiny little paper cut, one little nick, you're going to know about it. So I oh. would not stay in there for an incredible period of time. And then, of course, you rub your eyes and then you put salt in your eyes. And so I wouldn't be paddling too hard. Don't drink the and water. No, no, it's it's totally obnoxious. It's Yeah, everybody tastes it. And then it's like the most bitter, bitter, saltiest, bitter, most awful thing you've ever put in your mouth. Does it ever, is it flush out anywhere or is it? just salty water that's been there forever um well it's funny it's called a 
Dead Sea, but it's actually a landlocked lake. And it is shrinking as well. So right. uh, I, I can't tell you about the flushing out. Um, that's something that I've... No, I just I've, wanted... It, it, it goes into salt pans further down, uh, yeah. further south, as it as it does run toward the Red Sea. The Red but, Sea, yeah. yeah. If you. you wanted to go to Jordan, what do you do first? You fly where? Well, probably the easiest is to fly into one of the Middle Eastern hubs, you know, either into Abu Dhabi, Amman, or into Doha, and then you just connect on to uh, the capital, which is Amman. There's easy connections the whole way through. So it's it's just right. a one-stop jump into Jordan. It's very simple for Australians. Okay. And is Amman a place worth visiting? Interesting or ancient or good food or well, I think that I think that any capital city you've got to you you've got to go into feel you know you can go out to the antiquities and you can and you can see nature but then you know seeing how a city works on day to day this is you know this is the cultural heart and the economic heart of the country so mm. but it also does have you know fabulous ruins it's got its own history as well you know dating back even back to the Iron Age and you, and you can visit those around Amman. You know, it was it was known in Roman in the Roman times as Philadelphia. Um, oh, that's a good name. I know. City it's, of it's brotherly quite, love, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah. It, in, throughout the Middle Ages, it had booms and busts as well. And it's always been, it's been a real crossroad. You know, it flows in and out, populations moving through it. It's got Bedouin, has a significant um, amount of uh, Bedouins who are now semi-nomadic mostly moving through. So it's, it's, it's quite a young, moving city. I mean, the whole population of Jordan, it's something like a quarter of, of its population is under 15. You know, it's very really? young, very very dynamic okay. uh, country. Now, I noticed you'd written a story about the Jordan Trail. Now, presumably that, that's not around the city of Amman. That's obviously going to go through some of the interesting sites in other parts of the country. D- did you do this trail? Did you walk it or did you drive it? How did you come to write about it? I have not done the 40... I have not put aside the 45 days to do it because that's the... It's one of these... You know, it's again... We've talked about it before, one of these long-distance trail trends that are going, you know, that are happening throughout the world. And the Jordan Trail runs, as I've said in the story, it it runs over 45 days and thousands of years. So it's a long distance walking trail from the north and it heads down at the Red Sea in Aqaba in the south. So it's it's about 400 miles. I didn't do the translation of that into kilometres for you. No, it doesn't matter. But you you can do chunks of it, can't you? And that's quite popular to do a four or five day uh, version. Absolutely. So it's broken into eight eight regions, and um, you know some of them are more popular popular than others. You know, like there's a uh, if you wanted to do, do sort of the hits of Jordan, you couldn't go past walking from Petra to Wadi Rum, which is beautiful valleys in the to the south of the country, where which has Nabataean history, and you know it links up with Petra and also uh, down to Al Ula in Saudi Arabia. You know, one of those ancient um, spice trails that and right. caravans that that are along this region. So, I mean, what an incredible thing, even just to be walking into Petra. So, I don't know if you've been to Petra, but I imagine many listeners have. No, I haven't, but we've talked about it quite a bit. I mean, it's it's clearly, it's the holy grail of uh, of Jordan, isn't it, in terms of antiquity? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's the most popular uh, site. There are about a million, just before, before COVID, um, they were averaging a million visitors a year right. uh, into, into the site. So, but most of those visitors are funneled into the beginning of, of Petra, you know, walk through the Sikh, which is the high rock cliffs, and then you come to the treasury. Once you get past that, the crowds really thin out and the landscape takes over and you, you just uh, keep exploring. And you can take, there are 
part of this trail actually walks out through Petra and then you continue on into the landscape past that. So it's a, it's a really, it's very historic, it's very beautiful. Once you get past that sort of that blockage of the beginning of Petra, it's also very open as well. Yeah, it sounds, it, it sounds fascinating, actually. And, uh, of course, the biblical history, I guess, would be there as well as the history subsequently, the Crusades and all the rest of it, yeah? Oh, look, I think it's fascinating. I was uh, driving through one section with my guide, actually, at the, at the bottom of the where the Dead Sea tapers off. And, uh, you know, he was pointing out a, a, there was a stone, a vast stone stack. And he's like, you know, that's Lot's wife, who, of course, turned to a turned pillar to of salt. stone. Yeah, yeah turned to, sorry, pillar of salt, you're right. And then, um, and, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah is over there, which of right. course was the sin, the original sin cities where Dropped the um, a lot, yeah, yeah, I know. It was like, oh, it's it's all the hits of the Bible are in here at the moment. So, oh, well, that's um, worth that considering. Was, it, it, it's quite fascinating, isn't it? And I'd said to my guide, I said, you know, you know, if you were a non-believer, what do you say to to people who who might not believe in the stories of the Old Testament? And he said, well, you know, that was a that was a time of giants. That that time has passed now, but. That, you know, it's really embedded in the soul of, of so many of the people that live amongst uh, this this history that, that we might not necessarily have in downtown Melbourne. Mm. Well, I mean, there are probably biblical pilgrims who go to, well, certainly go to Israel uh, and Damascus and places like that if they can get in there. But uh, I guess Jordan would be equally uh, high on a list. Uh, absolutely, because you've got places like on the Jordan River where Jesus Christ was mm. baptised and John the Baptist lived in caves up above that. That's an integral part of uh, of the tourism in Jordan, as well as, you know, I think that that is, is pretty much where the tourism started in Jordan and then, you know, the Dead Sea has always been a great one to, to lure people. But then you've also, as you alluded earlier, you've got crusader-built castles and that goes into the Arabian history of things like Saladin, the, 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 you know, the yeah. great strategist. And then in more recent history, of course, this is where Lawrence of Arabia tore through, look, you know, looking dazzling. Looking dashing, yes. Dashing, yes. And everybody goes there, you know, like when you go on ships, you have a Titanic moment. Yeah. When you go into the desert, you have a selfie moment, on a, moment. <laughs> on a horse or a jeep, I don't know which. Or a camel. Yeah, maybe a camel, yeah. yeah now, yeah. Um, in terms of accommodation and, uh, you know, whining and dining, I guess it's got all that in, in spades, yeah? It has. Jordan is very sophisticated in that sense. I mean, if you were staying along the Dead Sea, you'd have your choice from, you know, Kempinski's and, and you know, beautiful Hilton's and um, all sorts of, all of the top hotel groups are there. And so they right. have resorts that are along the along the shore as well. So you know, in, in either very modern style or some of them are in Jordanian, beautiful Jordanian styles as well, the architecture. In the desert, that has actually changed in Wadi Rum. Bedouin tents are still there, which are great, you know, tightly woven goat hair tents where you can sleep in for the night under yeah. the stars because that's another area aspect that Jordan has uh, has realised, you know, it, uh, astro-tourism is It's a dark is sky. Yeah. To have the dark skies in Wadi Rum, now you'll find geodesic tents, like permanent tent structures, you know, the round ones yeah. that are actually set in Wadi Rum as well. So I don't know. I think my heart my heart maybe lies in the in the old goat, goat hair tents. When I, I stayed there uh, during winter one year and it was just me, my guide, um, the sheikh of the local Bedouin tribe who was showing mm. me around and... The tea boy, who was like a, a boy of about 14 who made yeah. tea and, you know, organised dinner and things like that and looked after the sheikh. And we just had our own tents and I slept with a thousand blankets and, and sheepskins beneath in the desert. And I just, I felt so safe yeah. and, and it was just so beautiful and so remote. And I think sometimes 
especially after COVID, when we've spent so much time locked in our own positions. You sure. really want that sense of openness and, and beauty as well. Belinda Jackson there, speaking with Graham Kemlow on the virtues of visiting Jordan. This is the Travel Writer Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.